Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. I've always just loved batting and wanted to bat as much as I could in the nets and that probably played against me sometimes, you know, batting too much in the nets and not freshening myself up enough and, you know, that's, I guess, one thing I'm learning as I'm sort of getting a bit older is that balance, um, knowing when to sort of relax a bit, particularly if I'm hitting the ball well, um, not just keep on hitting because it's fun, but, yeah, having that balance so I'm fresh out in the middle and and ready to to do the job that needs to be done. To have that added responsibility ever again? I'm honestly not thinking about it at the moment. It's it's just about playing well um, in this World Cup. I think Finchie's doing a terrific job, and um, you know I'm helping him out as much as I can in in certain aspects. And you know he's yeah he's doing a magnificent job. He's batting beautifully, and um, he's leading the side well. Yes, listeners, it's World Cup update time. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, and I'm your host Andrew Mensel. And that was Steve Smith uh, speaking after the big win over the Sri Lankans the other day. And joining me on the line, I have Sam Landsberger. Now, Sam, uh, it's nice you're able to fit me in between all your media commitments. I see you on Fox Sports. <laughs> I hear you on other competing podcasts. How are you? Very well, thank you. This is the one true love, though. You all, you've always known that. Cricket Unfiltered is top of the tree, and it's a pleasure to be back on. Yep. Um, this podcast used to have a band list, and if you went on rival shows, you went on the band list. But uh, I've I've got put that to bed at the moment. So because of the World yeah. Cup, we're all mates. So you can go on Pommy Podcasts um, while the World Cup's on. Very uh, very much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> all right. So uh, that was Steve Smith talking. There it was. Um, 
And interesting to hear him talking about, you know, finding a balance as he's matured a little bit. What are the sort of vibes coming from him that you uh, gathered? It was good to speak to him, first of all. Uh, We're 47 days Australia's World Cup camp began in Brisbane. And Steve Smith spoken twice and David Warner once. And this was the first time that one of them spoke without smashing his century. So uh, to start with, it was just nice to, uh, to get access with him. It was a pretty controlled environment. There were... A, only a handful of journos after the Sri Lanka game, but he he speaks great. He, he's great to you know. He was really honest. He spoke about how Ricky Ponting and Justin Langer just needs to trust his preparation. There've been a few concerns in the Australian camp that you know he might do a bit too much batting. They have to sort of drag him off the uh, the training track at times. But it was good to hear his point of view that he's been in the caper for a very long time, and they should just let him do his thing because. He's experienced enough now that he knows when he has to take the foot off the pedal and um, he thinks he's got the balance right. Yeah, it's interesting how he sort of said that he's he's coming to that now, to that knowledge now that when you're hitting the ball well, maybe it's time to stop and have a break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was really good insight. I, I think he, he made mention that, you know, for younger players in the group or for more inexperienced players, they, not, they might need a little more more guidance as to how many balls they should hit and how to manage their loads but he basically said just let me do my thing and he gave up that that quite a funny anecdote that a few night a few mornings ago Ricky Ponting was walking outside his room at 7am in the morning and heard the tap 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 and said to Smith I think over breakfast mate were you batting at seven o'clock this morning the answer was yeah, I was. I've always got a bat in my room. So that shows you just how obsessed this bloke is. It's Justin Langer's joke before that he shadow bats everywhere, including the shower. So batting is just always on this bloke's mind. And without the added responsibility of being captain, I just think he's totally immersed by it. But you can't argue with his form. I think he's averaging 80 runs since he came back in his 10 uh, innings for Australia, half of those being World Cup games. So he's looked in super touch. And it's working for him quite clearly. Quite clearly. Yeah, I'm not sure I 100% believe him when you asked him that he's not thinking about captaincy. Like, I don't think he's got his eye on the captaincy, but I'm sure it's in the back of his mind somewhere. Well, when you're that obsessed with cricket and you think about it near on 24 hours a day, of course it's crossed his mind, hasn't it? I mean, he gave the very diplomatic answer. You know, he highlighted how, you know, the magnificent job Aaron Finch was doing. But let's be honest, Steve, we, we weren't talking about the one-day captaincy. We were talking about the test captaincy. And uh, he's obviously eligible to, to take a leadership position again uh, in 12 months' time in, in 2020. And by that stage, I think Tim Payne will be 35. And if you just look back over the, the past couple of Australian captains, I think Michael Clark, I think he gave it up uh, to Smith, actually, when he was 34. And... Ricky Ponting gave it to Clark when he was 36. Uh, Tim Payne is in that that age when they do start to hand over the test captaincy. And Steve Smith will only be 30 next year. And there doesn't seem to be too many obvious candidates sort of jumping out of the ground. So, uh, look, obviously Smith was going to play a straight back to it. But, you know, if we're being honest, of course it's crossed his mind. And, of course, he's going to be spoken about when he does become eligible in 12 months' time. Now, I noticed in one of your fine articles for the com or dailytelegraph.com that you pointed out that the Renegades coach, Andrew McDonald, had actually uh, left Steve Smith out of his World Cup squad when he was asked to select the squad. So that looks like a glaring omission now from a great coach. 
It does, but I think there was a little bit of self-interest there. I think Ronnie probably uh, acknowledged at that time. I think that was in April. It was pretty close to the selection time. I think he realised that it might be a battle between Stephen Smith and Pete Hanscom for, for one place in the squad, and I think he was just trying to back in his own captain. Um, it, it probably, by that stage, we knew it was unlikely they were both going to be in the squad. Uh, so I think he was just backing in his own more than anything there. But mind you, the, uh, the um, overlooking Pete Hanscom looks like a, a questionable call all of a sudden. I mean, we're not, we're still not sure where Usman Khawaja fits into this order. It looks like Steve Smith might move up to number three. Can Khawaja add that to the middle order? That's one of the burning questions for Australia. Sean Marsh um, as well doesn't quite have the gears. It's a, it's a real prickly point that you know, one or two of the selections are just starting to unravel a little bit, and not having Hanscom in there, uh, I think, is a little bit problematic right now as we're halfway through the tournament. It's the two H's, Hanscom and Hazelwood, both uh, yes. lacking from this squad. Look, before we just take a little bit of a, a closer look at what's happening at the Aussie team, I mean, you're there following them around. Uh, anything else from Steve Smith before we move on that jumped out at you? No, I think the, the, the one thing to pick up on is that he just is always training. I mean, on Friday they had a, uh, an indoor session in London because of the rain. It was the day before the, the game against Sri Lanka. Not many um, of the 11 were, were, were there. Sort of David Warner and Usman Khawaja said no. All the quicks that were playing, they all said no. Um, but Steve Smith was certainly there having a bat and having a bowl as well in the spinner's net along with Adam Zampa and Aaron Finch. So, yeah, he just loves it. I mean, he's just always in the net. So you can start to understand why maybe Hank Glenn Maxwell did have that, that, that little bit of a clash a couple of years ago because KP told us before the World Cup that the concerns over Maxi were that he would walk into the nets and try and hit every ball for six. That's not Steve Smith. He just wants to be in there facing... Ball after ball after ball after ball, day in, day out. So I, I go back to Ricky Ponting's first training session in Southampton where uh, it was an optional session again. Uh, it was really only for a few of the fast bowlers. And Steve Smith was not only there, but he was there He was there first and last last to leave. He did about uh, an hour of slips catching practice at the game, which, which Ponting watched over very closely. So, yeah, he's just obsessed. He just loves it. And... Um, you know, while, while a lot of the boys will be on the golf course, he'll still be in the nets. So, yeah, he just can't get enough. Was it optional for the journos at training? <laughs> Always optional. I'm not sure the Herald Sun is across which training sessions I'm at, but I can please report that I'm, like Smith, I'm yet to miss one. And I might be uh, sneaking down there very shortly, even though it's a day off, just to see whether Marcus Stoinis has a bowl. So hopefully none of the competitive journos are... Going to take my idea here, but you might even find me there on a day off today. Okay, well, don't worry. This will be released probably after that. Joe Barton <laughs> uh, from DT Digital has been using this podcast to tell the boss that he keeps coming in early. So by all means, just get all this, the stuff in you want it. I heard that. Joe was in there at 3.30. Heath, if you listen, I can be out for him. <laughs> okay, so we've got, I want to go through the World Cup ladder. Um, but before I do that, I just want to recommend that by the time we next speak, can you change your WhatsApp profile picture? Because it looks kind of inspired by, like, Shane Warne's bed shots. Like, you've got this sort of... Um, out of just got out of bed look what's going on with that sam i actually don't know i don't even know what it is and i wouldn't know how to change it so that's quite alarming but i uh, i'll uh, look into that 
That'll be my first priority before training, actually. That's that's quite disconcerting. Yeah, that I'm, will be remedied very quickly. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm just going to try. I don't want to hang up on the call. I was going to try and quickly screenshot it. I might have to um, screenshot it. Anyway, so let's get on to the <laughs> World Cup ladder. We're seeing that the top four predicted teams start to break away with Australia on top with eight points, New Zealand second on seven, India seven, England six, and then you've got the rest of them all seemingly almost slipping away already. But look, as we record this, the West Indies and Bangladesh are squaring off. And I think the winner of this game is the team that could potentially challenge for that number four spot. At this stage, I just can't see any other team doing it. It'll be the winner of the West Indies-Bangladesh that challenges. I think you're right, and I think it's a real shame for the tournament. So I think the second half is going to be filled with basically dead rubbers. I mean, that was always the risk when we went with this group stage format where everyone plays everyone once. It's a, it is a real shame. I mean, I, look, I can't wait for the semifinals like everyone else, but my goodness, they're a long way away. There's a lot of cricket to be played. I, I can't believe Australia's on top of the ladder, to be honest. I mean, just having watched all of their games, they're, they're nowhere near playing their best cricket. In fact, they've been patchy in every single performance, and yet they're sitting on top of the ladder. So there does seem to be a little bit of a goal Hopefully, for the competition's sake, that race for the four can liven up, but it doesn't look like it right now. With what you say about Australia, I felt this about them in the 2015 World Cup, that they were sort of always building towards the end of the tournament. So it seems to be their proven strategies. But with the other teams, I can't see South Africa with their injuries fighting back now. Now Sri Lanka are gone. And I hear they Pakistan's snub- gone. Yeah, I hear Sri Lanka snubbed you in particular after the last game and didn't turn up to the press conference. That is very true. That was that was quite comical. I think my understanding is that an ICC official went up and banged on the door and said, "Who's coming down to do your press conference?" And they basically said, "Get stuff. We're not sending anyone." So um, I think a sanction for that will uh, be finalised pretty shortly. They are at war with the ICC, aren't they, Sri Lanka? They're complaining about. Uh, the hotels, they didn't have a swimming pool in their last hotel, apparently. They're unhappy with the, the, the team bus, even though I believe everyone is on the same bus. Uh, they're all Nissan buses, sponsors the, the the World Cup. Unhappy with the uh, with the pitches. Um, they're too green. So they really are sulking and to uh, not send anyone down to the press conference. I thought, in all seriousness, it was a real shame because there's quite a few travelling journalists from Sri Lanka who have obviously invested quite a lot of money to, to be on the ground and for them to be sitting there twiddling their thumbs and not having not having any players or coaches to speak to was probably quite disrespectful. Um, and there was a pretty good story as well in their captain who just made a pretty impressive 97. He's been through a little bit this year, batted really, really well, and, they, and he couldn't tell his story. So, yeah, that was a bizarre twist to uh, an ongoing feud between Sri Lanka and the ICC. As you say, probably... It's not great to take that out on the journalists who who need to speak to players for stories and to just do their job. So unfortunately, they were caught in the crossfire. I can't I can't see Afghanistan doing anything now. They've been very disappointing. Yeah, they have. They, they, them and uh, Afghanistan and South Africa combined have been the, the two major letdowns. I think a lot of people thought Afghanistan might you know really threaten, might take a, a really big scalp, could even be in the mix for a semi final hunt deep in the tournament, but they just haven't clicked. It seems like there's a few issues there. The uh, the story with Muhammad Shazad was bizarre. Um, he was withdrawn for the tournament uh, with an injury, and he came out and said, hang on, I'm not injured. This is all a, uh, <laughs> this is all fake by the Afghanistan cricket board. So there's a few deeper issues there. 
who's their captain? You know, is it Afghan? Is it uh, you know, is it the new fellow? There's just so much unrest in that camp. So they might go through winless, which should be a a, a big shock and a, a real disappointment given they did win a game in 2015. So to go backwards in the World Cup, even though they've taken so many steps forward in cricket over the last four years. Would be yeah a, a disappointing tournament for them. And what else is the word on the street, Sammy? What's the buzz? What's the chat? What's the vibe? What's going? What are people saying in the back of press boxes about the teams? It's all been to talk about the rain, really. I mean, it's about all the English journals are getting quite defensive. They're saying, "Hey, hey, hold on, hold on." It was 30 degrees this time last year. We had a heat wave. All of May and June was scorching hot. This is this is extraordinary. Lies, damn all- lies, I tell you. <laughs> They're all on the uh, very defensive, uh, all on the back foot there. But I think all the talk is that we, we know who the four is, um, that so many games have been marred by rain. It seems like we've got over the Bale story. That was quite bizarre in the first couple of weeks where five batsmen were bold, but the Bales didn't come off. So that seems to have, uh, that seems to dissipate a, a little bit. But I think we're all just waiting for the the heavyweights. I mean, Australia is still to play England and New Zealand. That they happen at Lords, I think next Tuesday and Saturday respectively. So we're just looking forward to these big games now. We just need to get past this Bangladesh game on Thursday, and then Australia finishes with yeah England, New Zealand, and South Africa. And even though South Africa will be gone by that stage, I think all three will be will be pretty pretty big games and and will we'll shape the final. So we're just trying to get through the next few days and then. Real, really rattled home with a wet sail. Well, let's just lock in on a few of the issues in the Aussie team. Where are we with Marcus Stoinis? What's your reading? Is he going to make a miraculous recovery and play in this tournament? Or is he gone, out the door? He's nearly gone, I think. Um, well, it, they won an all-rounder for Bangladesh on Thursday. They need one for the balance of the team, which has been so out of whack in the past two games. They've got away with it with a couple of wins, which is fantastic, but it can't go on. I think Bangladesh um, will be a pretty tricky opponent. So it will be either Stoinis or Mitchell Marsh at number six at Trent Bridge on Thursday. Now, Stoinis seems to bowl either, uh, either on Monday or Tuesday in the Nets to have any chance of, of staying in the team. He's okay in the Nets with the bat. He batted in London on Friday. He can field okay, but that side strain just means he can't bowl. Now, the Australians are giving very little away as to how likely it is he'll come back. But my understanding is that a side strain is, is, is traditionally a sort of a, a four- to six-week injury, so he's more unlikely than likely. And Mitchell Marsh is in good spirits. He looks really fit. He's lost a little bit of weight. He hasn't played cricket in quite some time, but there is a level of confidence that he can come straight in and do the job. So um, unless Marcus can send down a few overs today or tomorrow, he'll be pulled from the World Cup. That's where that stands right now. Oh, yeah, you just tell JL you've been speaking to Manners and he thinks it's time to move on from Stoinis. <laughs> Next one, Australia won the 2015 World Cup without a specialist spinner. Are they trying to do it again? I mean, we've seen Zampa and Lyon miss out on the last two games. It's, it's quite an extraordinary selection considering spinners are supposed to play such a prominent role in the back half of this tournament. It is, and especially given they invested so much in spin over the past 12 months, not only facing spin but bowling it themselves as well. They've had the, uh, you know, they've had the two Indian net spinners come along over the journey. But I think this is a, a flow-on effect of the Stoinis injury. I mean, when Stoinis went out of the team, they didn't have that seeming all-rounder. They had to look at Glenn Maxwell as the fifth specialist bowler. Now against Pakistan, he was getting tongs, so Aaron Finch helped out with a few overs. Against Sri Lanka, Maxi bowled his full 10. So with Maxi 
sort of we, we spin a lot of uh, for ten overs in that fifth slot. I think they just didn't want to go too much with spin, and that counted against playing a Zampa or a line in the past two games. But given we expect a Stoinis or Mitch Marsh to play against Bangladesh. I think one spinner will come in, but that still is unders for me. I mean, I, I, I thought we would have seen Lyon and Zampa trial together by now. We're five games in. If you look at it, we've played five games with two specialist spinners in the squad. So there's potential there for 10 selections of spinners, and we've had three. Adam Zampa's played three. So it's, they're using 30% of their allotted overs from spinners, and Zampa only got six overs against India. He was hit out of the attack and then dropped. So you do wonder if the, the faith of selectors is a little bit shaken in him. And so when they do pick a spinner against Bangladesh, could it be lying? Could he go ahead, Sam, and become the number one man? Because it would be a big change to play both of them together. And if they're only going to pick one, will they favour Nathan instead? Yeah, it's massive because it looked like Zampa had that position locked mm. down and he could get pipped at the post. Next position under, under discussion is the third quick. Who do you think's jockeying to be that third quick if a semi-final were tomorrow? Oh, if a semi-final was tomorrow, I, I still think it's Nathan coulton I think he's, a lot of it does depend on matchups, but I think he, just with what he offers with the bat as well, um, I know that they're going to pick it on taking wickets, but I think him as a package is slightly ahead. Um, and I think Kane Richardson's probably gone past maybe Jason Berenoff with his performance in the past two games. That's really, really tied between Baron North and Richardson. It just probably depends whether they want, you know, the death overs or the left arm option. But in the third seamer as a as a position, I still think Nathan Coulthornol is slightly ahead, even though we didn't play against Sri Lanka on Saturday. So if Mitch Marshall Stoinis comes in against Bangladesh, that means Sean Marsh or Usman Khawaja will miss out. Correct. Do you think it'll be Usman Khawaja that gets squeezed out? I do. Yeah, I think this is really tight as well. But there's just no place for Rosie in the team at the moment. I mean, unless he comes in at one for five and we lose Finch or David Warner, you know, in the first few overs and he basically comes in as a quasi-opener, there's no spot for him. And they've been laying such great foundations. Um, I think they've had four 50-run partnerships in the five games so far that he's not the man you want coming in at one for 50 or one for 80 or one for 100. So... Given he's, he's in danger of slipping down from number three, right down to number six, which is where he came in against Pakistan, um, I think he's in trouble. There was a really good opportunity to, for him to make runs against Sri Lanka on Saturday. He came in at, after a good start, and he copped a lot of short lot of short stuff again. Sri Lanka clearly targeted him with short balls, which is a weakness which has been exposed by the West Indies. He then fell to spin bowling for 10 runs off 20 balls. It was a really good wicket. Steve Smith then came in at number four and played a, a brilliant knock, 73 off about 59. Gave the strike to Aaron Finch, who was just um, middling everything. So Smith played that knock beautifully. Kawaja missed out. And now I know Marsh missed out as well, but he came in at, what, the 44th, 45th over, needing to try and hit everything over the rope. You know, he was caught in the deep on three runs. I wouldn't read too much into his knock, but I think Aussie's in trouble. Is that the right call? Who would you, who would you dislodge to get that all-rounder back in the team, Menas? Well, I would keep Kawaja at three and Smith at four, but it seems like they don't want that. They want to be able to mess around with the batting order. And Sean Marsh is probably slightly more adaptable than Usman Kawaja. So I, I think it just comes down to what we said at the top of the show, that probably they actually needed to 
make a call before the tournament between Usman Khawaja and Sean Marsh and have another middle-order player like a hands yeah. come in there. So, yeah, it has put the balance out, and whoever misses out will be unlucky. And that that's exactly the point. But Uzi just you just couldn't leave Uzi out after the form he was in in the UAE and in India. I mean, it's a, it's a real unfortunate one, and I feel for the selectors here because they would have been... Um, they would have been torn apart if they left Kawaja out of the squad, given he was the leading run scorer for the year. But right now, with Warner and Finch, Finch in particular looking really good at the top, yeah, it is there is a question mark. Yeah, I just think uh, Langer and the Brains Trust have got way too carried away with this left-right-handed combination obsession. I think they should have uh, locked down a, a top three and really tried to allow it to form sort of an engine room like all great Australian sides have. And I think Kawaja was treated very poorly not to really get an opportunity at number three, but to you know bat at six when he's never batted six before in a professional yep. 50 over game. So, yep, they've uh, got to sort that out. The other point on that I'd like to make is, is Justin Langer confirmed what we all knew last week, and that was that David Warner was always going to open the batting. He was never coming in at three. It was always going to be Kawaja to drop down to three. So my, my, my thought there was on reflection of that comment was, why did we stuff around with Warner playing three in the practice games then? I mean, if Uzi was, if, if that was the spot set for Uzi and he's played very little cricket at number three in his career in, in, what, in, uh, in ODIs, why didn't he play at number three in every practice match to, to give him the proper opportunity to bed down that position? I agree. It's just too funky for me. Um, and yep. I'm surprised because Langer played in an era where the engine room was so crucial to the success of the Australian side, a, a solid top three. So he's missed a beat there. All right, Sammy. So, look, I think we've covered the World Cup very adequately. You're doing such a good job over there. You're not only reporting on stuff in England, but I also saw you had a, a story in the paper about two Cricket Australia appointments. So they've uh, appointed two people to the role that Pat Howard was doing before. Ben Oliver takes the national team high-performance role, and Drew Ginn, former Olympic rower, takes the domestic pathways high-performance role. What do you make of it? Very Pete Layla areas, isn't it? This is for getting real political stories. Yeah, well, I know we like to stick to on the field on this podcast. Was Lawler your inspiration for this story? <laughs> He's... He's my inspiration for most of my stories. Um, <laughs> no, it was a uh, uh, real delayed appointment here. I, I think they probably missed out on a few high-profile targets. I mean, and what what is it, an eight-month search to uh, to replace Pat Howard? So the length of the search suggests that maybe there were a few people they missed out on. They were linked to Mark Taylor at one stage. They would have loved Belinda Clark to, to stay on, but she just had no interest in Either the roles, but the big part for me is that they're, just, they're starting just three days before the Ashes. So I think July 29 uh, is their first day at work. One will be in Brisbane, one will be in Melbourne. Um, and then the Ashes start on August 1 at Edgebaston. So they have left it to the last minute. But uh, Ben Oliver in particular, I think, you know, he'll work really closely with selectors and Justin Langer. Knows Justin Langer really, really, really well. I think he spent the last seven years at the Wacker. So, yeah, the, it was probably an expected appointment. Um, and to get a member of the awesome force and get to gives it, uh, you know, creates a wave as well to make a little bit of a pun there. But yeah, really long, really long process to, to find these two guys. And they'll start work on the right before the Ashes, which means Belinda Clark will see out the uh, the World Cup, and she's doing a magnificent job. Yeah, speaking of puns, you dropped a shocking tweet 
uh, maybe when you're very tired. Cricket Australia set sail for an awesome, spelt with an O-A-R, awesome ashes with two new high-performance chiefs docking next month. I mean, we've just got to put these rowing puns to bed, mate. Well, I think it was about 1am. I was very sleep-deprived. I was still up riding, so maybe you can forgive me on that one. I'll fix up my tweets, and I'll fix up my WhatsApp profile picture for the next time we speak. Now, uh, the cynic in me, when I saw these appointments, I thought, bloody Cricket Australia, they've gone from a rugby player to a rower. Why can't we get any cricketers in these high-performance roles? But when you dig a little deeper, I mean, if Drew... Ginn has spent two years as in charge of high performance at Tasmanian cricket. That That's a pretty good pedigree. So I think uh, the jury's out. Let's see how they go. Mm, let's see how they go. All right, Sammy. So look, uh, I'll let you go now. I know you've got something to do today. I don't know if it's a lot to do, but look... A lot of other cricket podcasts are going daily throughout the World Cup, so I thought we might start chatting every morning about 6.30 UK time. How does that sound? My phone will be switched off. <laughs> All right, Sammy. No, I'll, uh, I'll uh, always take your call. 6.30 might be a little bit too early. I might still be getting home, so maybe 7.30. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, that was Sam Landsberger from the Herald Sun. Thanks, Sam, for coming on the podcast. And I'll leave you with Sam asking Steve Smith about the lovely gesture by Virat Kohli last weekend. You've been listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel. Log on to thedailytelegraph.com.au for all your World Cup news. The moment with Virat Kohli last Sunday. Yeah, did you did you absorb what was going on when that happened? And, and on reflection, what what does that mean for you, particularly given your history with Virat? Yeah, look, it was a it was a lovely gesture. You know, it doesn't really bother me what the crowd do. To to be perfectly honest, I'm sort of just blocking it all out. But um, you know, it was a lovely gesture from Virat. That's for sure. <laughs> Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.